zone. You can't go. All the plants are gonna die. I'm gonna take a bath. Bad dates. I'll alert the media. Boys, keep off the moors. It's evil. Don't touch it. The name's Pliskin. No more hangers. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the '80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in chronological order, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we're discussing Miss 45, released April 24th, 1981. It was written by Nicholas St. John, directed by Abel Ferrara, and released by Rochelle Films. The working title was Angel of Vengeance. I don't know if they changed that to avoid conflicting with the Angel series of films or what. Is there an oh? Is there an angel series about oh, the yeah. prostitute? Oh she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Little girl, uh, she was in something that we reviewed. I yeah, I, Susan Tyrell's in a couple of them too. I'm trying to remember if that was before or after this. Oh, that's it's actually after this, so it wouldn't have been to conflict with this. Never mind. Eighty four is the first angel film. Oh, and it was the girl from uh, Schizoid. Was Angel? Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, I think Angel changes each movie, right? Or yeah, but she was the first one. Oh, okay. I think one of them is actually called Avenging Angel, but uh, it's different than this. It was produced on a budget of less than one million dollars, according to the Internet Movie Firearms database. The gun used in the movie is not a forty-five, but a Star Model BM with a nine-round magazine. Okay, because. I have issues with the bullet counts right. <laughs> frequently in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Alamo Drafthouse Films acquired the rights in October of 2013 and scanned the original negatives for the Blu-ray scan that we saw. Rock band L7's song, Miss 45, was inspired by this film. It's called the same thing. Of course it was. At least it wasn't the other way around. We have bad luck Yeah. with movies based on songs. That's true. This is no middle-aged crazy situation. Or hard country. Well, I think that Miss 45 makes a better song title than, what was it called? Angel something? Angel of Vengeance? Angel yeah. of Vengeance. I don't know. It depends. I had a big problem with the opening titles. What was wrong with the opening titles? <laughs> so it says Miss 45. And I was like, okay, now they're going to shoot a gunshot for the period, right? Right. No, they put an actual period. I was like, oh, yeah, but okay. Then they shoot but it. then they shoot it, and they miss. <laughs> and they <laughs> they no, miss the it's period. Just, it's just slightly off. I was like, but what do you? What? Oh, it just bothered me. <laughs> Your OCD won't let won't let it be exactly spot on. It, it should have been one or the other. It should have been the period, or the gunshot. Yeah, that's fair. In an office in the garment district, models are presenting various dress designs for a woman named Miss Grimaldi. Her name reminded me of actor Dan Grimaldi who played the lead in our review of Don't Go in the House last year. Mrs. Grimaldi poo-poos the first few options, and Albert, the man running the office, heads into a room full of seamstresses to grab the next dress, the Sherbert Resort, from Seamstress Lori. He excuses the seamstresses for the day, desperate to avoid paying any overtime, and offers to dress the last model himself, cutting it close to dress while the woman is here to view it. She seems to like the Sherbert Resort. It's nice. Let's do it in three colors, five sizes, for all the stores. Excellent. Albert is very happy. 
As Thana, one of the seamstresses, leaves the office, Albert can't help but place his hands on her while saying goodbye. The three girls get catcalled by every guy on the street. Thana separates from her friends to head home, and we hard cut to someone breaking open the window to her apartment and knocking over a potted plant on the way inside. We cut to Thana's point of view, perusing the meat at a grocery store. We cut back to the home intruder moving around the empty, unlit apartment. As Thana moves down the sidewalk, she's suddenly yanked into an alley by a man wearing one of those transparent masks that just sort of distorts the image of a person's face. Right. Do you guys recall the last time we saw one of these masks? Uh, was it Terror Train? No. Uh, was it um, the one with the New Year's Eve countdown? No, more recent than that. Oh, um, it's the one with the phone calls. What was that one called? Shoot. Um, Eyes of a Stranger? Yep, Eyes of a Stranger. Somebody left it in the guy's taxi yeah. cab and he wore it home. Yeah, I know. I was picturing the head in the tank like, it's that one. That's the one. <laughs> in this case, the man playing the rapist is the film's director, Abel Ferrara. In the alley, he warns her not to make a sound, pointing a gun in her face, and then he rapes her over a row of trash can lids. It's very brutal, and when he finishes, he tells her that he has to go. He also tells her that he'll be back. Thana is slow to recover from the attack and curls into the fetal position by the trash cans. The man in the empty apartment is going through all the drawers in search of valuables when he hears someone entering the apartment. It's Thana, and she stumbles dazed into the apartment, shirt still unbuttoned from her attack. She sits on the couch, deep in thought, when suddenly she notices a pair of boots in front of her, and we tilt up to reveal a gun pointed at her again. The gunman pushes her back on the couch and gives her the same warning not to make a sound. He asks her where the money is, and she's unable to respond. I was impressed how quickly the second attacker was able to determine that she's mute mm -hmm. because I would have just thought that she was in shock and unable to speak or having a panic attack. Uh, what are the odds that there's going to be two men that rape her in succession in a day? Depends on where you live, I guess. I just, it just seems a little... I think she's just in a real shit neighborhood. I, I guess. I don't doubt for a second that no one's ever been raped twice in the same day by two different people. Yeah. She hands him her purse, and he rifles through it before tossing it on the floor. He asks what happened to her, because her clothes are still half off, but she obviously can't answer, so he pushes her down across the couch to have his way with her. She reaches up and grips a small crystal apple on an end table. She makes tiny creaking moans of pain while he rapes her, and she waits for him to drop the gun before cracking him over the head with the crystal apple. He rolls to the floor in pain, and when he tries to stand up, she bashes his head in with an iron. In a downstairs apartment, Thana's landlady's dog starts barking like crazy. Back at Thana's place, she gets her bearings and drags the man's body to the bathroom and up into the tub. Thana hears the dog barking outside her door and quickly scans the new mess, even wrapping herself in a quilt in case the landlady stops by, but they never do. So at this point, though, like, she didn't do anything wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. So why... Does she not call the police at this point? I probably wouldn't either. You wouldn't either? No, not if I had an idea of what I could do with this person so that I don't have to. She's, okay. She seems to have a plan. Yeah, I guess. It just, it just seems like a weird turn because... At this point, she's totally in the right for everything that's happened. You know, it's like she's... I mean, there's no trouble. law that says you can't dismember a person that you killed in self-defense is there I'm i feel like there sure probably there are <laughs> i'd have to see the letter of the law 
Either way, it's not what our forefathers intended. <laughs> Are you accusing me of being an originalist? <laughs> yes. <laughs> she collapses exhausted against her door, and we get a quick insert of the second rapist's gun on the floor. We cut back to the office where she works as Albert chews a woman out for a screw-up. I said a thin neck, not a scoop neck. And he rips the shirt off of this mannequin and he throws it in the trash can. And so she's seeing this image of clothes being torn off of a woman, even though it's a mannequin. Mm -hmm. And then being these trash cans in the corner reminding her of the first rape yesterday. And she starts to freeze up. She sees an employee change out the trash bag in the corner and just stares at the trash bag for a while. After a moment, her coworkers realize that she's in kind of a trance and can't respond to their questions. She starts shaking uncontrollably as all the seamstresses surround her. She steps backward away from them all and her face drops out of focus before we cut back to her apartment. She peeks in on the man in her bathtub and then puts on some throwaway clothes digs a hefty bag out of the kitchen wastebasket, and takes a handsaw to the dead man's arm. It bleeds a lot for a guy who's been dead for over a day. Yeah. But it's also that bright red house paint giallo blood that we don't really see anymore. <laughs> she wraps the limb in newspaper and places it in a trash bag. Do you recall the last time we saw a character get their hand removed? <laughs> <laughs> the hand? <laughs> Our previous episode. It was so long ago. From overhead, we see Thana drag a huge trash bag full of parts through her kitchen and stuff them into the fridge with eight or ten more bags. She can barely close it now. She's got enough food for a month. Yeah. <laughs> Meal prep. That's what's going on here. <laughs> we see her scrubbing down the bathroom and evidence washing down the drain. Over the crossfades, we hear the dog barking uncontrollably downstairs. Her bathtub vacant, Thana is finally able to take a bath for the first time since the attack. But just before she removes her shirt, we see a hand reach under it from out of frame as she collapses to the floor. In the mirror, she sees a flash of the man in the distorting mask again, but she just sits gripping herself on the floor until she hears the bathtub drain regurgitating flesh chunks into the tub. Ugh. The next day, she leaves the apartment with some of the disassembled rapist wrapped in a grocery bag. But the second she opens the door, the landlady's dog busts in, causing her to drop it to the floor. What's in the Thana does not let her do it. <laughs> yeah, and and rightfully so, because <laughs> this woman is the worst. Yeah. I was expecting this dog to get it. Just start tearing like, it open in the middle no, of the No, I was expecting this woman to, uh, Miss 45, to attack this dog oh, right immediately. Here? Yeah. <laughs> like, kick it down the stairs or something. <laughs> but we see her toss the bag in a random trash can in the city. Back at work, Thana starts daydreaming for a moment and accidentally burns some fabric with an iron. Albert asks if something's wrong, and we cut away to a man harassing young women on the street. He aggressively hits on every girl that passes him, and because his approach is garbage, he's also striking out and vents his frustrations to a blind gentleman named Ben in a chair on the corner. Little girl. Hey, uh, little girl, sweetheart. Where you going? What's the hurry? Christ almighty, everybody's in a goddamn hurry today, huh? I've been. Goddamn chicks are cold as ice, huh? You ain't missing shit. Down the street, he sees Thana step out of a cab and starts following her down the sidewalk. 
She drops another bag of rapist parts, and Don Juan picks it up, thinking she dropped it accidentally. He keeps following her for blocks, aggressively offering her the bag back, as yeah. she moves faster and faster to get away from him. Like, even if I was trying to be a good Samaritan, like, I would realize, oh, this woman's running away. Right. I should, I should come up with a different plan, like... You know, if it was a purse, I would try to find some ID. But this guy's but for sure not trying to be a good Samaritan. He, I, I agree. He thinks returning this yeah. this femur is going to get him laid. <laughs> and, and and he is just running the triathlon of trying to keep up with this woman. Yeah. He chases her down an alley to a dead end, and she turns around at the last second and fires on him with the gun that the rapist left in her apartment. She hits him right in the forehead. And we cut to her arriving home as she tosses the gun, which was close enough to the victim to be speckled with blood, and then rushes to the bathroom to throw up. Immediately, her landlady is banging on the door because the walls are apparently so thin that she was able to hear exactly what just happened, down to the vomiting. Santa! Santa! Open the door! Santa! Santa! Open! Santa! What's wrong with you? I heard you run up the stairs like a phantom! and throwing it up all over the place. There's something wrong with you. I'm going to call a doctor. Oh, yes, I am. Yes, uh, Phil, where are you? Come on, Phil. While they argue about that, her dog, Phil, rushes into Thanos' kitchen and starts sniffing around the fridge, but Thana's able to shepherd him back out of the apartment. While she sleeps, Thana has nightmares about all the traumas and annoying people she's endured so far. We cut to a homeless man digging through the trash for food and losing his shit when he finds a hand in it. I feel like if I were her, I would have spent the entire day distributing the parts immediately. Like, I don't think I would take my time with this. Because once someone catches on to you, then it's too late to be dropping these pieces off. Yeah, I mean, especially like with the dog going bonkers all the time and the nosy neighbor, and then they're starting to find body parts. Like, this guy just needs to be out in the world, like all of him out of your hair right now. I think it's interesting that this guy needs to be in pieces when the guy she shot in the forehead, she just left dead in the alleyway. Yeah, but I feel like- He didn't die in her house. Yeah, I feel like the alleyway guy is fine. But I also feel like the reason she has to take her time with the pieces is because of that nosy neighbor. It's like, why do you have so many bags? Why are you taking out uh, so much trash? Maybe. I, I could easily hear that character saying those things. That's true. That's why you dump the bodies out the window in one bag, mm-hmm. and then you collect it outside when the landlady's asleep. Or, or you just get some, some acid. Yeah, and just take a few, few hits and just relax. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh sorry. God, this is hydrochloric acid. <laughs> My tongue. We cut back to the office where Lori is reading a newspaper and the headline says, No clues in Bizarre 45 killing. Thana is getting a talking to from her boss about her recent mistakes at work. Apparently, in addition to burning the silk blouse, she missed some cuff buttons on a whole run of suits. Darling, I realize that you're working under a tremendous handicap. Which is precisely why you have to try harder than a normal person. He gets his hands on her again and rests his fingers on her shoulders. His contact gets more and more intense, almost massage-like, as he reminds her that there's a Halloween party coming up and that she should for sure come to that, promising boys her own age will be in attendance, which is a weird sell. She's finally had enough touching and stands up suddenly to hand him a message on a piece of paper. On the paper are the words, I'll try. I feel like at my next job, I'm going to convince everyone that I'm mute and communicate only through a piece of paper with this exact message. (laughs) Just no matter what anyone (laughs) asks me, I'll try. I'll try. 
I don't think that you could possibly be mute. No, probably not. We could try, though. <laughs> Hands Richard my notes. <laughs> that lasted all of five seconds. When she steps out of the boss's office, she does a bit of what looks like fake sign language to indicate that Albert wants to see Lori in the office next. Do you guys recall the last time we saw someone do fake sign language? Was it a was it Planet of the Apes? I don't remember. I think it was Mad Max the last time we saw someone do fake sign language. Mm. Huh. When his Max's wife is improvising sign language. But then I also feel like someone did it since then as like pretending to be deaf so that they didn't have to talk to somebody but maybe that was in something more modern and i'm just conflating it with movies we've reviewed we cut to more inserts of newspaper headlines in case we missed it the first time another co-worker asks why he wanted to see her and on a second slip of paper she writes i just wish they would leave me alone i assume by they she means men in general because they doesn't wouldn't just yeah. apply to the one boss no i think that her rages towards all men but also that could be another note that you pass around if you're mute that's true yeah, <laughs> yeah. these <laughs> are both great notes to have on hand this is this this would be part of like your immediate response flip book that you yeah, would carry with exactly. you with with i'm hungry i would just have one of each message tattooed on each palm so i could just raise the hand just just a literal just a picture of a cheeseburger yep <laughs> We cut to the seamstresses on a lunch break at the Brew and Burger. A couple are making out hardcore in a booth by the corner. Oh, they're really going at it, too. And they probably just ate, which which is really upsetting to me. Oh, I thought that made it hotter, but okay. They're sharing the special sauce. It really does it. In the whole film, this scene has the worst acting by a long shot. Lori starts shouting at the couple, essentially to get a rum, and eventually the girl gets up and leaves. While they pay their bill, the left-behind boyfriend approaches their table and offers them an after-dinner drink. I'm buying. Fuck off. <laughs> you heard me. Get fucked. Get bent. Fucking women. Get the hell oh, out of here. Right. Beat it, scrim. Get Take bent. Take it easy. Take it easy, my ass. Bleed the nerve of this guy. I love I love that she's the one who stands up to all these people yeah. that, that can't call it. And she just does not hold back. Yeah, she's the perfect bodyguard for the rest of them. Thana stays behind as her coworkers rush back to the office. The creeper dude follows Thana out of the place, and I'm disappointed that we didn't see him sneak a dollar from the money they left on their table because <laughs> he seems <laughs> like that kind of a character. He catches up with Thana at the corner, and he tells her that, Her sister overreacted, apparently just assuming that Lori is her sister. Mm -hmm. He introduces himself as a fashion photographer. She tries to ditch him multiple times, but he continues following her down the street. Because she's mute, she can't be forceful enough in her rejections to get the message across to this guy that she is not interested. I, you've never been a woman. It doesn't matter that she's I know. not mute. <laughs> but if the if Lori were on the street corner, he would have left her alone. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. Because men are just horrible. Yeah, but I think part of part of why she has been singled out as a victim from this group is the fact that she can't, she can't talk back. She can't say anything. Uh, I, I will say men are horrible, but especially men in this film are especially, especially horrible. Yeah. I mean... They are concentrating all the different types of horrible men into one movie here. Yeah. But 
But someone has experienced not, this exact group of men. I in do a day. not feel like any of this is irregular. No, I don't think so either. Some of his compliments here are completely nonsensical. You're not a model, right? <laughs> no, you are much too beautiful to be a model. Models are paid to be beautiful. I know sometimes in person models look different than they do in photographs, but I would assume the whole point of telling her you are a photographer is to convince her to model for you. But you just told her that she couldn't do that professionally. He starts touching her face, and she just looks around uncomfortable and confused. He invites her to his empty studio nearby to take some test photos and get high. When he grabs her around the wrist, he has her full attention, and she starts to enter that PTSD mode again. He drags her back to his place, which is one of those lofts where the elevator takes you directly into the studio. He starts to walk toward the photography stage, and she pulls out the gun without leaving the elevator and shoots him over and over eight or nine times. Yeah. Yeah. Which is when I, I think I started counting like the rounds, and I'm like, mm-hmm. this... This is not this a 45. Is not th- this is not the number of rounds that would fit into that gun, but I didn't know it was the wrong kind of gun. But right. But she doesn't know how many bullets fit in it either because she <laughs> yeah. keeps pulling the trigger after she's out. Yeah, and uh, I counted what sounded like nine shots, but it was hard because the yeah. the, the way that it was edited, it some of the bullets could have they crossed overlap. over. Yeah, yeah, no, it was at least eight or nine, but it was hard to tell. Yeah, I wrote eight, but you told me nine right after yeah. you watched the scene. <laughs> But the elevator doors close in front of her. She didn't even step out of the elevator. So uh, she managed not to even enter the murder scene. But I'm assuming she's buying more bullets. Yeah, for sure. Um, Which, you know, we never see that. We never see a scene of her buying bullets. But that uh, would be a trail to her. Exactly. Like, like you know, she just keeps coming in and buying 45 rounds. Unless unless, unless the, the workaround would have been that for me when she gets the gun from the guy when she's going through his clothes, like... She finds like just he's just ton like an extra clip or something. Well, the yeah. other problem that might be helping her is the fact that all the newspapers are reporting that it was a forty-five murder, mm-hmm. and it turns out that that's not what she's buying. So uh, that's true. It, they're they're know, actually misled. Nothing drives gun sales and ammunition sales like shootings. Mm-hmm. So everybody could be buying that stuff. Yeah, the man's blood rockets out in all directions and paints the paper backing of the set. At home, we see Thana putting on bright red lipstick and leaving her apartment late at night with the gun in her purse. On her way out, she sees another tenant arguing with the landlady that he needs another copy of the key because he lost his. Thana writes out a note that she won't be home tonight, but I don't know why she would have to tell her landlord about it. Oh, that's makeup! Good heavens, I've never seen him look like that! Look at your eyes! And your lips are so heavily made up! Well, yeah, I mean, this woman seems like she might be some kind of like den mother. Yeah. For, or, or what is it? uh, An RA for. Yeah. And tries to keep tabs on everybody. But, but, cause like, I mean, maybe this is like a a apartment building for people with handicaps. Sure. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe she's supposed to. Maybe it's just more old school, you know, like the old school apartments where the landlady would like take care of everybody yeah. in the yeah, apartment like, like bring in tea to sherlock holmes or whatever what was the, the ropers <laughs> what um, was the one that we had earlier the john houston movie with the psychologist oh, this, yeah the psychiatrist phobia phobia and his landlady was like yeah. bringing in drinks and stuff for him all the time and exploding 
and exploding. No, she didn't explode, right? Wasn't that one of his patients that exploded? It was. We see Thana moving through an airport, and she puts a bag into a pay locker and then leaves the key in a nearby ashtray. So she just dumped probably another foot into a locker and then left the key out so that anybody who wants to could find it. Yeah, I, I didn't understand. Why not just throw it in the garbage? Well, I mean, it's practically in the garbage, but what is someone going to try this key on every well, locker? I, well, it's probably got a number on it. Oh, I was going to say, if I was the cleaning lady like that was coming around and emptying the ashtrays, I'd be like, oh, it's a fucking locker key. I would pick it up and go take it, and and usually they're numbered, so yeah. you, would, you would unlock that locker and find Free foot. what's in it. <laughs> five, five dollar, <laughs> five dollar foot long, any, any, any. We cut to a prostitute arguing with her pimp. He thinks that she's holding out on him and even claims that the John was a test and that he gave the guy a hundred bucks to pay her a hundred, but she sticks to her guns and claims he only gave her 50. How's that for a sweet gig though? Secret shopper of prostitutes. (laughs) (laughs) So hold on. You give me a hundred. I give her the same hundred and I just get sex. (laughs) Eventually the pimp loses his temper and starts punching the woman against the doorway until Thana appears from around a corner and just blasts him with six shots before disappearing into the night. I don't think the woman even sees her because she'd be leaving a witness behind. That would be bad. But but she stays kind of tucked away. Right. We cut across town to Thana walking through Central Park in a spotlight. A gang of four men surround her as she approaches the fountain emulated in the intro to Friends. Uh, yeah, this this was a really weird thing. So they film in this location a lot. Yeah. Like the, the finale of John Wick Part 1 is there when... Ian, By the fountain there? Yeah, when, uh, what's his name, Ian McShane uh, kills the person who betrayed the Continental there in that, in that same kind of tunnel, yeah. archway tunnel. But as she before she enters, I'm gonna call it a tunnel because I don't know what else it is. It's like yeah, it is a, like tunnel. a tunnel full of arches. Uh, there's a guy watching her walk in, and he's like holding something in his hand, and it's like making clicks. Yeah, he's signaling his buddies. Yeah, but but yeah. But, but like, is he snapping his fingers or he, does he have something that's clicking? I couldn't quite tell what was. Maybe happening. it's one of those dog trainer tools. <laughs> <laughs> you just hear the guys go, "Ow, ow!" It's perfect. It's a shock collar for his buddies. <laughs> whoever's in charge gets to control the button for the night <laughs> oh man she stands right in the middle of a circle on the ground with four circles around it mirroring her present situation a fifth man approaches the group and one of the initial four swings some nunchucks around suddenly the fifth guy gives a signal to commence the gang rape no! So I think that's eight shots. Assuming she only used one on the pimp or she reloaded in between these moments. Yeah, I think she must have reloaded. I do like that the nunchucks were like a thing, like a weapon of choice. Yeah, it wasn't a joke at the time. Yeah, but like they seem to have fallen out of fashion. I feel like we need to bring that back. Yeah, I think they they showed up in Warriors and then people confused them for real life for a while. And then they were like, oh, no, that's not our people don't actually use those in Central Park. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it kind of peaked with the Ninja Turtles in the 80s. And then then it became a joke. Yeah. But even Michelangelo was just a party dude. He didn't really like he didn't kill anybody with him. A fellow chucker, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Thana uses the whole lot of them as a shooting gallery and kills them all with a single clip. Uh, she, and she does this move. And God, I spent so much time trying to research this move of 
when because she's shooting and she puts her other hand behind her back, like all the way behind her back, almost like coming out the other side. The hand without a gun. Yeah, as if she as if if she had her other arm by her side, she could reach out and touch her own arm. Yeah. And then she was doing this, and I've seen other people shoot from this position. My my most favorite moment is in Return of the Jedi, when one of the Imperial officers shoots from the hip, but he puts his hand behind his back. And I was like, is this like a British thing? Hmm. Is it like a, a British stance? And I was looking up, sorry, this is a bit of a tangent because I spent <laughs> a lot of time on this. And I was looking up different one-handed shooting stances. And I guess the, the, the traditional thing to do is to have not your arm loose, but tense in some kind of fashion. Um, and a lot of people do it across the chest, like you're pledging allegiance with your other hand. Okay. Um, and some people like have it tightly in their pockets. Um, and then other people have it behind their backs. I, I guess it's just so that your arm isn't loose. Like your both arms have some kind of tension. I'm sure that there is a reason. Um, I did Interesting. not. But I was trying to see if there was like a name for this shooting stance. Well, it probably if your arm is loose, it's going to change your, your balance. Right. And, and so I think just having it being in a known position is going to solidify that. Interesting. I'll have to try that next time. <laughs> I I always shoot two-handed, so. Oh, that's true. Well, that works then, because they're both tensed up. One man survives long enough to curse her out until she hits him with the last bullet. We cut to a chauffeur driving a man through the rain. Thana steps out in front of the car and then back up onto the sidewalk to avoid being hit. The chauffeur offers to give her a ride and lets her in the back with his client, a sheik who offers Thana a cigarette, and she takes it. He then offers her $100 to keep him company tonight, which seems cheap, but I guess that's the same thing the prostitute was getting earlier. So, Do you remember the last time a sheik was looking for some company? Uh, underground aces? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he was the most wholesome of I- sheiks. <laughs> I really loved that subplot. <laughs> she puts the money in her purse and takes out the gun, putting one in his crotch and one in the driver's head, and then the last one in the sheik's head. And we cut to Thana feverishly washing her hands at home. I'm not sure why, though, because she follows this up by barehandedly pushing rapist chunks through a meat grinder in her kitchen. We cut back and forth to her downstairs neighbor's apartment, where the landlady cooks breakfast and listens to a radio story about all the bodies discovered after last night's murder spree. Yeah, so, so this meat grinder is still the original body. Yeah, that she's yes, getting that's the of. only one that she's been disposing of in right. pieces. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know why it didn't all go through this. Why is she dropping? you know full size because right now we see her pushing a hand into it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but before she was just dropping hands in trash cans you know oh she was uh wasn't she making dog food right but i I i'm i'm confused why she didn't turn the whole guy into dog food that's my question that's a tiny dog you couldn't eat that whole man (laughs) well not at first (laughs) first. but over time but it's also less suspicious to have a a fridge full of ground beef than it is to have a fridge full of body parts yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I would have started with the head. I would have gotten rid of the head first because that's the thing that identifies the body. But that's the part I would not figure out how to fit in this grinder for sure. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, as far as thing, dumping things in trash cans. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Although it is the biggest piece probably, yeah, depending human, on how you chop it up. Well, the human head, it weighs eight pounds. Sure. Why not? That was from Jerry Maguire. Y- yeah. That's from the we part know. where he beheads a guy. <laughs> 
Show me the head. I mean money. I don't have a head in here. Don't check my apartment. You had me at head low. No. No. That's coming out. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. Suddenly, Thana knocks at the door with a gift for Phil. It's a small plate of ground Chuck, assuming the rapist's name was Chuck. And the dog, (laughs) Phil, greedily scarfs it up. Later, the landlady and Phil watch out their window as Thana steps out again, her arms overloaded with bags. Again, how could there how could there be so much left over? She's dumped at least three or four body parts at this point. He's expanding. <laughs> oh God! For some reason, for some reason, in place of a hat here, the landlady is wearing fucking grapes on her head. <laughs> Did you notice that? <laughs> she has a big strand of grapes just wrapped around her head. Thana sees a man loading his trunk for a trip, and when he leaves the car alone for a second, she just tucks rapist chunks into the trunk to dispose of them. This is my favorite disposal. Like, I'm just, I really wish we had gotten a scene of him arriving, like, yeah. you know, three states over and, like, finding this bag of body parts in his trunk. I could have gone for an after credit sequence of someone discovering yeah. everything that she dropped That's off. That's so great. Or, or he's driving and you just hear on the radios, like, it's going to be another hot one today. It's just Ugh. like, Ugh. Ugh, gross. <laughs> oh, man, all my ice cream melted. Oh, and this human arm melted back in the office albert gives than a shit for never coming back from her lunch break friday because she was too busy shooting a photographer he makes it sound like he's offended on behalf of her co-workers that they had to finish her work that day but really he's just mad because he heard through the grapevine that she isn't coming to the halloween party where he probably planned to get her drunk and woo her she scribbles onto a pad that she wants to go to the party and the guy cheers up immediately he asks if she'll go as his date and she nods okay so she was indicating that she wanted to go to the party because she just wrote, I want to go. And I thought, I thought, I thought, I <laughs> Get thought, out of here. yeah, I, I thought that's what she was saying. Like, You're I want to You're making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Back in the dressmaking room, the other seamstresses are watching out the window at two people having sex in an apartment across the way. And Albert sees this and then turns to Fanna, who is looking right at him intently like, that could be us. Ugh. We cut to an old bag lady pushing a shopping cart into traffic and talking to herself. And this doesn't come back or relate to anything, but she just, she has like a whole 30-second speech where she's talking nonsense as she pushes the she cart across the She has the, the bag that Thana was carrying earlier in her cart. Right, but we just hold on this lady for a really long time. Like, she crosses the whole street talking to us. I and know. I kept thinking this was going to come back in some way. But she's got a bag of body parts on her cart. So that's like true. that's It just makes know. it look like she's the murderer. Yeah. We cut to Thana in a phone booth in Chinatown watching a couple kiss outside Baskin Robbins. They go their separate ways, and Thana follows the boy down a dark street. He fumbles with the lock at his gate for a minute, and Thana lifts a gun at his back. But at the last moment, he gets the gate open and moves inside, and Thana has missed her chance. This is the least guilty person. Yeah, so I feel far. like her standards were slipping here because basically, this guy was consensually making out with a girl that's like, "I gotta get back to work," and yeah. then that was over, and he walked home, and yeah. like he didn't really do anything wrong aside from convince, try to convince his girlfriend to keep making out with him. Right. We cut to a bar where a guy is just ranting about his ex. And we see in a reverse angle that he's talking to Thana. Later, they're sitting on the Manhattan bench. And he finishes his story about stalking his ex and finding her with another woman. When I got back to our place, 
I went in the bathroom, brushed my teeth, and washed my face. Then I went in the bedroom, changed my shirt, and then I went out in the kitchen and I strangled her cat. When she was talking to this guy and he was telling like the sad story of this breakup and and she's listening to him like I caught her with another woman and I went home and I was just depressed and I just brushed my teeth. And I was like, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the guy who turns her around <laughs> like, oh, he's he's actually really sensitive and he's going through a hard time. And he too. didn't blame her for that. Yeah, he didn't blame her. And it's like, then I strangled her cat. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I just hear Jesse crack up as soon as he says that line. Because she's just like, oh my god, I was waiting for him to say one thing that was mildly bad, and then it was, I strangled her cat. Yeah, it was really bad. It was so much worse than I was expecting it to be, because I thought she was going to do, like, because it, it felt like she was slipping right. into, like, I just want to I just want to take revenge out on any guy I can. Yeah. And so she was looking for excuses, and, you know, the first guy, you know, was being a little forceful with his girlfriend who had to get back to work, but, you know, nothing too terrible. And then, and then this guy, I'm like, oh, there's nothing she can fault yeah. him. With. He's so it's just gonna be sad. some really really minor thing and it's like a cat a cat okay, yeah shoot go this ahead, guy yeah him. go for it <laughs> you have my approval now <laughs> the man has officially crossed the line beyond what thana considers acceptable human and she chooses now to raise her gun point it at the man and pull the trigger but it doesn't go off and he snatches it away really quickly is this some kind of a joke he points the gun to his own head and pulls the trigger, and the second time's a charm. She takes the gun from his dead hand and leaves. See, I feel like this was your opportunity yeah. to leave the gun in his hand, having killed himself, and that gun gets traced back to all these other murders. Right, but yeah. it's also got her fingerprints on it. I don't yeah, know. but they but they don't know who she is. That's yeah, true. Yeah, I'm like, just leave the gun with this guy. He'll take the rap for all that stuff and get a new gun. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, get a new guy. And, yeah, that too. New new gun. New gun, who dis? Back at the apartment, Thana can hear Phil going apeshit in her landlord's place on the way up the stairs. She pulls the last few bags of body parts out of her fridge and locks them in a closet. Yeah, why did she do this? I think she did it because she knows her landlord's going through her place when she's not there. And so she wanted them somewhere that she couldn't access even if she got inside the apartment but it turns out that she seems to have a key to this closet also mm-hmm. yeah i guess i like if that's all that's left like take it with you on your way out because right. like if you're thinking that the lady's coming in well, i don't know the closet just seems like a really bad place to store leftover man meat yeah and then she climbs out the window onto the fire escape We hear the landlady knock on the door briefly and then let herself in, the dog sniffing around the tub and then the locked closet. She tells the dog that she has a key to the door and leaves to go get it, but then she hears Phil knock some shit over in the apartment and gives up on her plan. Phil's the dog, by the way. Right. (laughs) Yeah, and and she's so upset the dog's like, now she's going to know we're here and we can't snoop around. At work, Albert is excusing everyone early so that they'll have some time before the party tonight. Back at home, Thana stands by the door and listens to Phil's incessant barking for a moment and then checks the lock on her closet. She scribbles a note for the landlady that says, can I take Phil for a walk? And then she lets her. So we cut to Thana walking into traffic and <laughs> angrily shoving the dog in front of cars trying to get it run over. I was like, oh my God. She's like kicking it underneath the wheel yeah. wells and stuff. Do you remember the last time we had somebody dragging a dog uncomfortably through traffic? <laughs> foxes yeah 
Okay. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Uh, at one point, she drags the dog uncomfortably close to the back tires of a van, but then we cut to her just walking the dog out on the waterfront. She ties the dog to a piece of rubble from a demolished building and levels her gun at its face before we cut away. Back at the apartment, she leaves a note for the landlady that reads, Phil took off after another dog. I searched but could not find him. He'll probably come home on his own. Santa. We see the landlady dress and leave the apartment. In Thana's place, she is dressed as a nun, again fully made up, and kisses each bullet as she loads them into her gun. She starts to have an imaginary shootout in the apartment, swinging her gun around, and we hear echoey phantom sounds for each pretend gunshot. We cut to a Halloween party, and Albert is showing off his date to people. Hello, Bobby. And sister, Vanna. Charming name. Is that Greek? It's Greek to you, Bob. Albert whisks her away from Bob's perceived flirtations. Everyone at this party is gross. One dude is telling another guy the best place to buy virginities in foreign countries. Another couple argues because the man lied about getting a vasectomy. Back in Thana's apartment, the landlady lets herself in again and starts looking through all her stuff when she hears the door creaking open. Vanna! Is that you, Thana? Suddenly, a fucking gorilla leans through the open door. <laughs> I feel like these next two shots get cut a little out of order. But here's how it plays in the movie. <gasps> but Miss Lasoni, I didn't mean to scare you. You almost gave me a heart attack in the idiot costume! Here's how I think it was supposed to go. <gasps> But Miss Nasoni, I didn't mean to scare you. We cut back to Mrs. Nasoni's place, where she brings in the bags she stole from Thana's apartment, and inside, luckily enough, she finds the head of the second rapist. <coughs> we cut back to the party for a while, and then to an upstairs office that Thana and Albert have moved to to make out. While she stands, he starts kissing her all the way down the front of her body to her toes, and then slowly works his way back up. We cut to Mrs. Nasoni's apartment, and she's giving testimony to the police. She also accuses Thana of having killed her dog, Phil, while she fans herself with a bunch of feathers. Back in the office above the party, Albert makes his way up her legs until he sees a gun tucked into her knee-high stockings. She pulls it out and points it at him, and we cut back to the party as a shot rings out. Everybody rushes to the stairs to see what happened, and Thana shoots the first guy coming up the spiral staircase. She shoots a second guy in a cowboy costume and then comes down the stairs. She shoots vasectomy guy in the heart and he collapses. She shoots a guy in an I-have-no-idea-what costume against the wall. And then she shoots the sex tourist. Lori sneaks across the room and grabs a knife off of the cake table. She waits patiently for Thana to kill a man dressed as a bride before stabbing a hunting knife into her back. Who started cutting this cake, Rambo? Why was there a <laughs> massive hunting knife on the cake table? Thana screams and points her gun at Lori and says her first word. Before collapsing to the floor. We crossfade to Mrs. Nasoni's apartment and she's sobbing over the loss of her dog, but the camera cuts outside and we see Phil coming up the stairs and starts clawing at her door, begging to be let in. The so dog, she didn't kill the dog. Yeah, yeah, the dog makes it. Yeah. He found his way back on his own, just like she said. Wonderful. I wonder if the whole story was true and that she was walking the dog back when a big dog scared it away. Who knows? Or, or is this dog going to go now and commit murders against humans for ah. being wronged? I do like that the dog is specifically male, though, too. Yeah. 
everyone who annoys her except for the landlady and her murderer. Yeah, I, I like this film. Obviously, the beginning is very brutal, but um, I think that it's still artfully done. I think Zoe Lund is incredible as Thana. Yeah. Um, and I, I forget if I told you about this, but I feel like Anya Taylor-Joy would be all over this role. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, she's just, she's great. It's, it's a very early role for her. Maybe it's her, it's her first film. She was 17 at the time, but, um, but she just does a phenomenal job the whole way through it with, you know, uh, emoting everything that's going on without being able to say anything, obviously. And, uh, I'm totally with her for most of these kills. So yeah, it, uh, it's great. Yeah. I I I was very surprised by this movie because i really didn't know anything going into it and i thoroughly enjoyed it throughout (laughs) yeah and considering that uh abel ferrara in the past has directed uh pornographic material and moving forward will direct a lot of nudity i thought i was very surprised that there was no nudity involved with either rape or even the whole rest of the film there's no nudity in the film which is a much more tasteful route than i would expect most people to go with this story yeah but I just, it, I, I think that I have, uh, and maybe all women, I don't know, I have a soft spot in my heart for these sort of female revenge stories where yeah. you're just, you know, take take taking out their aggression and, uh, and finally getting back at the world. I don't have any bitterness or anything, I swear. <laughs> um, but I think it's definitely a thumbs up for me. Oh yeah, thumbs up. Not my cup of tea. <laughs> no, I, I figured that much. Uh, yeah. Richard, it was so good. Uh, I, it, it, to me, it's nothing. It's no different from a Jason or you know just any other kind of slasher movie. Uh, I, I think it has a lot more baggage than any of those movies. In terms uh, yeah, I, I I would agree to that. But um, it's it's just endless killings and and i don't i don't know where i'm supposed to be going with this and where i'm supposed to feel at the end of it you're supposed to be excited that these people that deserve to die all the time in the real world are finally getting killed even if it's in a fantasy world exactly (laughs) (laughs) i thought a lot about the movie the brave one when watching this sure because it's about a woman who's beaten and assaulted and her fiance is killed by these guys and she goes out and starts sl- slaying people that are rightfully bad. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and helping women in need. But I feel like she as a character grows. Uh, she, 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 it was a lot more likable. I felt like there was a lot more in the, in the brave one. Yeah. Like that there was, there was some kind of journey for her character. I did not feel like there was much of a journey for this character. Well, I think she she does make a transformation from, you know, helpless victim yes. to taking control of the situation. But that happens in like the first 20 minutes. That's true. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that this is a masterpiece, but I was saying it's thoroughly enjoyable. I mean, I think there's a lot of movies out there that are this kind of thing, you know, like, uh, you know, girl with a dragon tattoo kind of thing or hard candy or, you know, like where we're turning the tables on the people who are victimizing us. And I enjoy that. Um, This wasn't the, you know, this wasn't going to be like some masterpiece, you know, like I really love the girl with the dragon tattoo, you know, books and movies. They're great. Uh, This isn't on that level, but this is like the 
the base form of that. You know? Yeah. And it's also uh, simpler kills than what you see in something like Last House on the Left, which is a similar story, but with really brutal graphic violence and rape scenes. Um, you know, obviously a lot more nudity there than we have in this film. It was also preceded just in 1980 by a movie called Demented that we did a minisode for this year that's about a woman who gets gang raped by a bunch of people and decides since no one believes anything that she says that she's just going to take care of it herself in the future and you know takes a takes a big butcher knife to everybody and uh i think there's there's fun for the whole family here (laughs) (laughs) but it's a thumbs up for me uh do we know where this goes letterboxed for everybody yes where do you have it jess so i have it at number nine out of 48 okay richard uh, I put it at number 44. <laughs> wow. Uh, almost 45. It'll get knocked down to 45 eventually, but I knew w- I was going to put it at 45. Just you to- think anything left will crack above Miss 45 <laughs> on your list? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have it in 20th place, which is just under Caveman and just above Maniac. Um, but I did enjoy it. And I think the photography is actually beautiful the whole way through. I'm really impressed that they were able to get it for under a million, but I think that's because, you know, this is very guerrilla stuff. There's actually a scene where when the photographer is hounding her as she's walking down the street, you see these two people following behind her that are kind of like huddled together awkwardly. And it turns out that that's the sound guy trying to record the dialogue for the scene because they didn't have permits for any of the exteriors in this. Richard, I don't think you have enough... uh pent-up rage and hostility towards men to appreciate this film enough that's possibly true (laughs) we're gonna allow him to change his vote on this one after he's been raped by a group of men in one day jesus or we won't then fine (laughs) stick with this number our writer director here was abel ferrara this was his second film after driller killer but he also directed king of new york and bad lieutenant and the 93 body snatchers he technically had a film before driller killer that was called nine lives of a wet pussy but he was credited as jimmy boy l because it was a porno he also played the first rapist as i mentioned earlier uh the writer here was nicholas st john he also wrote ferrara's previous film driller killer king of new york and the 93 body snatchers everything he wrote from miss 45 forward was directed by ferrara He also wrote that porno, which is funny because he refused to write Bad Lieutenant, which is one of Ferrara's best-known works, because he felt that the content was blasphemous, but he was okay writing the porno for him. He also plays one of the detectives in the film. The music here was from Joe Delia. He later composed Ferrara's King of New York, Bad Lieutenant, and the 93 Body Snatchers. Cinematographer James Lemo later DP'd Maniac Cop and Maniac Cop 2. Editor Christopher Andrews also edited Joey in 85 and Hot Splash in 88. Zoe Lund, or Zoe Tamerless, she goes by multiple names, played Thana. This was her first film. The name Thana likely derives from Thanatos, the Greek god of death, whose name also inspired the name Thanos. She plays Andrea Wilcox in special effects. She's Zoe in Bad Lieutenant, which she also co-wrote with Abel Ferrara. Sadly, she passed away in 1999 at the age of 37, from heart failure after a decades-long struggle with substance abuse. She wasn't just a user of heroin. She was practically a spokesperson and a vocal advocate for its legalization. For the record, I agree with her that it should be legalized, but less so that it should be used by anyone. Nike Zakmanoglu played Pamela. She's the maid at the party that ends Alligator. 
Peter Yellen played Burglar. He has a soundtrack credit in Bad Lieutenant for performing We Did It Before, We'll Do It Again. Edita Sherman played Mrs. Nassoni. She's a well-known American photographer nicknamed the Duchess of Carnegie Hall, and she was a muse of Andy Warhol's. Jack Thibault played Man in Bar. He was Clarence Anglin in Escape from Alcatraz, Trooper Prestone in The Hitcher, and McCaskey in Lethal Weapon. He's the cat strangler? Yeah. Yeah. We saw him last year as Head Muscle in Any Which Way You Can, and he's back later this season in Honky Tonk Freeway. Evelyn Smith played Bag Lady. She was a patient in Permanent Midnight earlier this season. I'm assuming not the guy's mother, so it'd be the other woman who was just laughing at everything she said in the hospital. Steve Dash played Policeman. He was a policeman and jazz singer last year, and he was just an ATAC man in Nighthawks. Very soon we'll have him as Jason's stunt double in Friday the 13th Part 2. John Scarangella played Guy on the Street. He was a drummer in Christmas Evil last year. I'm trying to remember where there would be a drummer. Maybe there was a band at that Christmas party that he stumbles onto? I guess. Michael Menard played band member. He's a composer on Losing Ground, Fall Break, Special Effects, and A Return to Salem's Lot. Paul Sansone played Party. He was a junkyard bum in Street Trash, which is a really fun, ridiculous movie. Rob Roy played Bar Extra. He was Wiley in The Fly 2. He's in Three MacGyvers, Early Retirement, The Challenge, and Rush to Judgment. Kathleen Gotti played Bar Extra as Kathleen Gotti. She played Risa on The CW's Arrow, and she played Deidre on AMC's Fear the Walking Dead, but she's probably best known as Dr. Lysel Obrecht in 414 episodes of General Hospital. Steven Singer played Rich Volk, uncredited. He was Bill Dunsmore in Don Juan DeMarco and Dr. Ross in The Happening. It's worth pointing out that the person who gets second billing on this film is Bogey, who plays Phil, and that's his only credit. The dog. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's everything for Miss 45. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Or as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. We also have a Discord now. Join the 24-7 movie chat and share your thoughts on episodes past, present, and future at VintageVideoPodcast.com slash Discord. And if you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Bloody Birthday, which IMDb describes like so. Three children are born at the height of an eclipse of the sun. Ten years later, they begin to murder the people around them, even their family members. We leave you now with a trailer for Bloody Birthday. 1970. Three children were born during a total eclipse of the sun. Now, ten years later, they share a terrible compulsion to kill, and no one can stop them. If they decide they don't like you, watch out. Children will stop at nothing to get a deadly murder weapon. And anyone can be their victim. No one is safe. Not even their families can escape. Bloody birthday.
children shouldn't play with sharp objects. They hate their babysitter and her little brother. And the teachers at school are so mean. No matter where you run, they'll find you. There's no escape. Bloody birthday, a terrifying journey into the bazaar. Will you get out alive?